Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly One Piece podcast discussing each week's manga chapter, anime episode, news, and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. And this week we'll be covering anime episode 960, manga chapter 1002, and rereading manga chapters 46 through 56. The anime this week opens up with Orochi, uh, seemingly mad with power and conspiracy. From there, we pop over back to uh, Momonosuke, Kinemon, and the boys. Momonosuke is pleading with Kinemon and the gang not to go. But Kinemon says they would have to wait a full year for the Netsfire Festival for another similar opportunity to attack. And he doesn't think that they can survive that long for various reasons that he details. Yeah, and I mean, not only that, but Kinemon says that Okabari Town was burned to the ground, and that, like, includes his wife, so I'm sure he's, uh, he's feeling pretty charged at yeah, the moment. Yeah, he's got that fire in his belly. He wants to avenge not only Odin, but also his recently deceased, like, imminently deceased, like, just now happened, uh, wife. I don't personally believe that Suru is actually dead. Bakitamon has no reason to believe otherwise, I guess. I think it's probably one of the stronger things. Get, well, I don't know about that. I guess his, it's probably pretty equal to that in Odin. Uh, I think so. I mean, the Suru thing is like the most recent. That's like probably one of the primary driving points right this second. They're going anyway, uh, despite Momonosuke's tearful objections. And despite the storm that's still going on. Yeah, I don't know about their odds of making it through, like, 20 feet into that water in that storm, but they're going to try. Uh, and as they are walking towards the shore to get to the boat, the Odin flashback begins. This is big news indeed. Yeah, first thing that I thought was, uh, well, I, I didn't realize that Odin was 70% leg. <laughs> This is news to you? Yeah. You didn't realize? Yeah, not only are his footsteps that of an elephant, but, like, <laughs> his actual frame, like, 70% leg, I'm pretty sure. And it's It could just be kind of his outfit that's showing it off. There was a shot, like, I think it might have been, like, the first or second, like, full-body shot we see of Odin, where he's, like, standing, like, profile, like, mostly, but... He looks so wide, he could just be a JoJo's character. <laughs> <laughs> I'd accept that crossover. He's got the widest shoulders of any man imaginable. He's a real Kylo Ren-looking guy, huh? Exactly. Real stout. But this flashback begins 41 years prior to the present day. So that's 21 years before Odin actually dies. We find out later in this episode that he is 18 at this time. A man truly in the prime of his youth. I mean, in in one regard, yes. But in another, I guess not so much. This dude's been living in his prime his whole life, as, <laughs> as far as I can tell. It certainly does seem that way. Seems that Odin has once again, I think they said it was like the 30th-ish time that he's attempted, but he has failed once again to leave Wano. Apparently he's real bad at this whole sailing business. Yeah, it's a bummer for him, but, I mean, it would be hard to say that his attempts aren't wholehearted and entertaining. 
Yeah, he sure does seem to be putting his all into it. And he doesn't give up. 30-something attempts. Almost drowning every time, I assume. Waters around Wano are uh, turbulent, to say the least. Yeah. Well, he can just kick his way out. <laughs> he should try that next time. Uh, but like you said, he's stomping down the street like an elephant. Uh, the people in the street are yelling, hide your kids, hide your wife, but most importantly, hide your livestock. Don't let them take your pigs. Hide everything, apparently, when Odin's around. He's a, a real dastardly lad, it seems. And right after this little bit, we get some new eye catches. We've been whining about this for weeks now, pretty much since the second episode when Wano began, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was sort of a looser, well, definitely a different art style for some reason i wanted to describe it as looser but it's fun it's edgy it's it's neat it's different i enjoy it it caught me kind of off guard at first especially when it like zooms in on roger's face you could really see that like the lines aren't entirely filled in but i did it no complaints just was kind of taken aback (laughs) the first time i saw it oh yeah i immediately went back and watched it again just to well actually i went back to see if there was any comparison between the two triplets that they showed and there isn't really i mean nami and shanks both have red hair luffy and roger that one's obvious zoro and odin i don't know swords uh zoro does have his sword now so yeah there's a bit of a parallel there i don't think red hair is all that strong for <laughs> nami and shanks though <laughs> i can't think of a stronger connection but yeah wasn't the the eye catch i was hoping to see I was hoping they would start including the other straw hats, but it kind of seems to me that this is only going to go until like the end of the Odin flashback. Maybe once we get back to the main plot, they'll swap it out for a, a fresh bunch, but you know they'll probably wait a year or so after that to uh, <laughs> give us some fresh ones if uh, their history is anything to indicate it. Yeah, it's a shame, but you know, here we are. Life moves on. Uh, when the episode resumes, we see a Yonsuru tending to her tea house. This is before, of course, she became a Japanese painting lady. These men strike up a conversation with her about this mountain that they escaped. Kinemon, who just so happens to be stealing from Suru at the time, overhears. Uh, Kinemon at this time is a blonde man. I assume he uh, he dyes his hair. Like a delinquent. Yeah, it just shows shows that he's uh he's a ne'er do well. Indeed. And nowadays he's a nice man on the straight and narrow, as indicated by his hair. But blonde Kinemon gets caught, threatened, and Suru decides to take all of his clothes to pay off his debt to her. Which I kinda thought was like in a strange way, like cute and reasonable. Like Suru threatens to steal all his organs right and sell them but right. it seems to me that because they were childhood friends she decided to uh let him off easy and just take all his clothes to pay off his debt give me all your clothes and we'll call it even she says pretty much right it's it's almost like she's playing a little joke on him uh pretty much she doesn't really care that the money's being stolen just needs to play it up so that he doesn't think it's acceptable to behave this way right after this, we pop over to Odin again, who, sensitive man that he is, has decided to cook and eat a pot of Odin over a cremated body. I mean, it was really great imagery. It sets 
the mood, and it does tell you a lot about who this man is. Certainly does. And while I do think it looked great in the anime, I do feel like the manga did it a tiny bit better because I'm going off of memory here. But I think this was the first time we had seen full-body, non-silhouetted Odin in the manga. And I think it was more impactful than him like running through the street where we saw him for the first time in the uh, in the anime. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. That kind of, it shows two very important different sides of Odin, kind of, because like, I don't know, when he was running through the streets, it was it was a little silly, and we know this man to be just a, like, you know, a little silly. <laughs> but in the, in the manga, it was way more serious and like, uh, I don't know, stern and powerful almost. Indeed. Uh, striking. The manga said... Look at how terrible a person this man is. Yeah. From there, we pop to uh, the Kozuki Castle, where a servant is recounting Odin's so-called accomplishments to his father. And as a result of all those things, and presumably more that have happened from, uh, from then until now, his father is now sending him a notice that he's been disowned. So, tough luck, Odin. He's had his fun, and now he sort of has to pay the bill, you know? I suppose so. I think getting arrested at age 10 was Wano's attempt to make him pay the bill, but it didn't work out, so had to try a different strategy, I suppose. Try, try again. Indeed. I don't know if you were uh, on Twitter or Reddit or anything today, Jordan, but uh, apparently it's been going around that Odin's father has the same voice actor as the Tengu Man. Uh, the voice actor's name is Ryuzaboro Otomo. So, uh, needless to say, people have been debating whether or not that means that the, these two people could be the same person. That would be news to me. That's interesting. I don't know if I give it any credit, but it's a fun thought. I'm inclined to believe it is simply a cost-cutting measure, as opposed to confirmation that they are literally the same person. I forget which voice actor is saying it. I think it might have been Luffy's during an interview a couple months back. I don't know that for sure, though. But some voice actor gave an interview, and they said that, yeah, we don't get paid anymore if we uh, voice more than one person. So, oh, again, my inclination is to say that they were just trying to save a buck by recasting this same person in a different role. Yeah. But uh, then we find out that uh, Odin was not trying to disrespect the man whose funeral it was but was just trying to have a last meal and drink with a dead friend, which is, in my opinion, probably the coolest thing anyone has ever done ever. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you seem to share that opinion with the general crowd, the family of this man. <laughs> Indeed. So everyone approves of this Odin fella. Gave one of his classic Odin speeches, he says. Even though it was only, like, three sentences long, if that. Sometimes that's all you need. Short and concise, just the way Odin likes it. And he wasn't speaking it for anyone else's benefit other than his own. That's how self-assured this man is. He didn't feel any need to like justify his actions. No. He just no. wanted to say some last words to his buddy. He was going to do it no matter what. Indeed. After that, we cut back to your boy Kinemon who has now beaten up those three guys, stolen their white boar, 
And now he plans to sell it to the uh, other mafia family. I'm sorry, Yakuza family himself. Denjiro meets up with Tinamon a couple minutes after this. Denjiro reveals that the white boar thing was a trap by the other Yakuza family to destroy the Hyodoro family by attracting the baby boar's enormous parent into the capital to destroy it. Odin hears this, thinks it sounds pretty cool, and he wants to take the boar off of Tinamon's hands. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's basically where it ends. Uh, the One of the main takeaways that I had for this whole episode was just how expressive all of the faces were. Indeed. I know that One Piece definitely has some very strong humor in faces, but I feel like these ones were kind of, I don't know, maybe they lingered a little bit longer, maybe they took up more of the screen but they stood out to me. Couldn't agree more. And on the note of faces, I intended to mention this a little bit sooner, but uh, you remember at the, like, I think it was the very beginning of the episode, Orochi is like laughing and he's got all those women on him yeah. while he's laughing. Oh, Did you? S- I, okay. Sorry, go ahead. I think <laughs> I might know what you're going to say though. The chick who had his ha- her hand on his, jaw? his chin. Yeah. <laughs> like if that was a normal size face, her hand would just be like shaking a little bit, like whittling around while he's laughing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with as big as Orochi's face is, her arm is doing like full motion. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like I looked at it and it looks like she's moving his jaw a little bit because it doesn't make sense almost any other way. Like she's just puppeteering this man. It was quite possibly the silliest thing I've seen in my entire life. It was so jarring. <laughs> Indeed. Couldn't look at anything else aside from that throughout that entire sequence. It was Yeah, that was another of like probably the three things where I immediately went back and rewatched it. <laughs> like that it just whew, oh boy. You don't notice that kind of shit when you just read the manga. Turns out there's gold in these anime hills. Mm-hmm. But uh anything else you wanna talk about from the anime before we move on to the little news segment? There was, I guess, of the listed things that Odin did, the one that stood out to me most was the catching of two rabbits at the same time. I'm not sure if that's maybe something from folklore, because, like, Odin is... He's basically a folklore story, but a real person. Sure, yeah. So I don't know if you know of any significance on that, because it just felt really out of place. Um, Nothing comes to me on the top of my head. I know that rabbits do have places in a lot of uh, Japanese myths. I don't know of any specifically that feature a guy catching two of them, but could be. Well, maybe if someone out there that listens to us does know, they can point us in the right direction. That would be excellent. I think that takes us into the news segment. Only got one kind of lengthy piece of news today. Uh, I wanted to talk about how this past week... An art book was released covering the Rurouni Kenshin exhibition that occurred recently in Japan. And it contained a written interview between Oda and Watsuki, the mangaka for Rurouni Kenshin. Now, I don't especially want to discuss the concerning implications of Oda remaining friends with this man in light of Watsuki has done. Mm-hmm even though Watsuki was Oda's mentor. But there are some interesting nuggets in the interview itself that pertain to One Piece. I am using Sandman summary translation on Twitter, 
Uh, he's a well-known and trusted translator in the community. And I will leave a link to his uh, Twitter account and also these specific tweets in which he summarizes in the description below. According to Watsuki, this is the first of the nuggets, Oda told him early in One Piece's run that he intended for Zoro to lose an eye. So that was like an early decision that uh, Oda oh. made. Uh, and this, and Oda telling him this, caused Watsuki to decide against using a one-eye character in his own manga that was getting ready to start at the time called Gunblaze West, since he didn't want people to think that Oda had stolen his idea. Watsuki asks why Zoro lost his eye, but Oda does not answer him. So it's possible that there's a greater significance? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if he's been planning it from the get-go, then that does lend it some credibility. But, like, I don't see a way that this could turn into a good thing for him. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, I don't think there's, like, a, a Sharingan or anything, like, eye magic related hidden under there. But right. I think the fact that Oda doesn't want to answer why he lost his eye, maybe there's, like, a a significant story around, like, a technique or something that Mihawk used while training to cut his eye. I don't know. But there does appear to be something suspicious going on there. But Watsuki also asks about the rumors that One Piece is going to end in roughly five years. And Oda responds by saying that part of the reason that that is is because he doesn't think that a man in his 40s should be drawing a serialized manga. So Oda thinks he's getting a little bit too old for this shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's his prerogative. I can't I can't tell the man how to live his life. I, I am yeah. just so pleased with what he's already given us, you know? Yeah, plus with all of Oda's health concerns, I can understand why he would want to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to miss it, but, you know. This is the way it has to be. Uh, there are some other interesting nuggets in here, but those are like the two main things specifically relevant to One Piece. But again, I'll put a link to the specific tweets in the description for those interested in reading the, the full summary. Uh, but that's all I have for the news today. Anything you want to discuss further on those points before we move on to the manga? No. Neato. And that brings us into the manga discussion segment covering chapter... 1002, the second chapter of the year. Yeah, it's exciting. We start off with our buddy Rob Lucci. Your friend and mine, Rob Lucci. <laughs> he looks good. His uh, little friend Bird does not look so happy, though. Yeah, not only does Rob Lucci appear to be feeding those pigeons, he also appears to be feeding them Hattori's seed, specifically, judging from the Hato label on mm -hmm. that uh, little seed bag also some of the birds are more stylized like they have haircuts and scars yeah. and jewelry i don't know if any of them are like homages to people oh there's a panda man on the uh, cover as well oh yeah there he is <laughs> that completely escaped me the first time all <laughs> right you look at that comes at you yeah. live Then getting into the chapter proper, uh, first thing we see is Kaido using his special technique, Demolition Gust, his super secret wind slash move. Law manages to dodge it with his power. Kid's mech just kind of eats it, falls apart. But Zoro casually blots it with a sword slash. Yeah, you don't even see any uh, 
any like hockey on his arm there. So this is basically nothing to him. Y- yes, I suppose so. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't he using Enma there? And Enma isn't by default a black blade, so he's definitely using hockey on his sword. Yeah. The only black blade he had was a Shusui, and he gave that one up. But if if it's not going on his arm, then he's not having to release that much of it, I would say. Uh, I suppose Like, he's got true. it under control. Yeah. I think you might be onto something there. Then we see Luffy coming in for a big ol' gum gum con rifle. Yeah, he comes in hot. Smats Kaido right in his smug dragon face with a, a new move that we haven't seen from him before. Yeah, and then surprisingly, Kid's just ready to go. Yeah, he grabs Kaido and uses a technique called the Slam Gibson. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, Jordan. I'm a little bit confused on how Kid is damaging Kaido. He said, like, a couple chapters ago, I think, that, like, he's going to, like, use vice moves and, like, slam him around a lot. But how is that any different from just getting beat around by Luffy a couple, like, it wasn't a couple chapters ago, but in their first confrontation? How is this blunt force attack any different from Luffy's from before? There's two thoughts that I have on this. Either Kid is working to reposition Kaido like with the Gibson he is exposing both his underside and where he's already been damaged in the past so like mm. he could be trying to set up law or killer or whoever or that's a good thought yeah or we also you have to remember that like big mom is there and she's also vulnerable so if he were to hit her with him that would cause some pretty big collateral I know that they don't show it specifically, but I'm trying to give Kid the benefit of the doubt. So your secondary theory is that he plans to use Kaido as a big club to beat Big Mom to death. Really, I just wanted a second theory, but, you know. (laughs) I see. I like your first one better. Well, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I like your second one better. I think your first one is more likely. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) But then uh, Law dodges a little bite. From your boy Kaido, and he maybe gets him in the heart with a gamma knife. Maybe. Yeah, he takes a guess, but Kaido, his eyes go white. They're not always like that. He appears to be in pain. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he actually hit his heart. Yeah, no, I mean, well, do I think it was his heart? Not unless Kaido is also a time lord or something. Like, <laughs> I think he's good for now. Indeed. Maybe his heart is also just real sturdy. It could be. We don't know. Who boy. Then on the following page, Kaido gives them a little bit of props. And then Killer does a confusing thing. He comments that Kaido's scales are real tough, and all he needs to do is cut past them to the inside. Great plan, mm-hmm. Killer. How exactly are you doing that in this panel? What is happening? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, it, it's, in theory, at least in the translation, it has Sonic in the name, and the blades get bigger and go through Kaido. So, like, maybe he took a page out of 
scratch man's book and he's doing something where he spins them so fast they make a sound i have no idea yeah i mean visually it looks like he's spinning them real fast they are elongating and somehow phasing through kaido's body but he calls it the scyther sonic i'm confused i appreciate it that he named it after a pokemon i'm sure that's what oda was going for <laughs> and a beloved game franchise indeed uh, both things that I'm sure Oda and Killer himself love, but I, I don't understand <laughs> what Killer is doing here. <laughs> no. I'm glad it worked, but uh, don't understand how. But uh, sucks for you, Killer. You got hit by a big old lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're under the open sky, you can't go anywhere when big bombs are around. Indeed. Got hit by special attack, Indra. I assume Killer is dead forever. He doesn't look so good in that one panel we see him there. No. Yeah. He already has been through quite a bit in the last, uh, whatever, couple months. So. Uh, yeah. It wasn't that long ago that he got roughed up by Zoro real bad. Mm-hmm. He was getting brutalized and everything when he was in prison. Um, so I, well, people in One Piece tend to heal pretty fast, but wouldn't surprise me if he was still not at 100% right now. Right. Kaido goes in to try and eat him, I assume, to finish him off. But uh, lucky Luffy is always there to smack him in the face. He hits him once again with a Rhino Schneider. Yeah, and then right after it looks like it looks like a galaxy is building inside of Kaido's mouth for his counterattack. Uh, you haven't heard of that power of dragons? The ability to create entire tiny galaxies inside your mouth? Yeah. Also, it occurs to me we've been saying... Uh, dragons when we know for in fact he is a fish <laughs> uh, my bad I mean but like yeah we got we should be more careful about that <laughs> when you're right you're right mm-hmm. Zoro wants Law to zoop him on up there Law's got shit to talk about that but he does it anyway <laughs> yeah my boy has been getting so much comedy in this this uh, year of releases Oda really, well, generally speaking, he really likes to play Law as the straight man. And he still is, but like to comedic effect. And I appreciate it greatly. Because he's also, you're right, yeah, he's he's the straight man. And he's here with these... Cartoon characters. (laughs) Yeah, these oddballs, man. And he just has to, it's like he's babysitting at the same time as fighting God, basically. See how big his mouth is in the panel where he's saying, I am not your personal servant? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's going to be, it's, mm, this is going to be such a good time when it gets animated. I'm so excited. Looking forward to it so much. Um, But he does pop Zoro up there. He slices uh, Kaido's blast breath once again to save Luffy the trouble. And then he goes in for a big ol' sword slash. Oh, yeah. I thought it was interesting that Big Mom, as a fellow swordsman of sorts, she's the one who recognizes first that uh, Zoro's sword is not an ordinary one. He's up to something suspicious over there. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really consider that factor. Which kind of calls into question Mihawk's title (laughs) as the strongest swordsman in the world. If Big Mom, and I suppose Shanks as well, are like, they're both sword wielders. Does that mean, well, this is a debate that's been going on for a long time. 
people do legitimately think that Mihawk is on par with the Yonko. Yeah, yeah, I would assume Mihawk is kind of similar to Garp, where they choose not to not to advance to a certain degree. Uh, I would believe that. I mean, Mihawk appears to do every single thing in his life just based on what seems like fun or will kill his boredom. So, right, sailing yeah. around murdering pirates appears to be just a fine enough life for him. He gets plenty of practice. Indeed. But yeah, Zoro assumes a pose and uses the Flying Dragon Blaze, which does miss Kaido, but slices off one of Onigashima's big ol' horns. Yeah, it still makes quite a statement. I kind of wonder if this is foreshadowing from Oda already. Like, is one of Kaido's horns coming off next? Maybe. Could be. Uh, here's a fun little nugget that I discovered on Reddit earlier today. Did you know that this pose that uh, Zoro assumes here is the same one that Ryuma used in the one-shot Wanted when he killed the dragon? Really? Indeed. That's a fun little homage. Yeah, that's that's cute. I don't think in context of the story, Zoro would have any way of knowing what attack or stance Ryuma used. So I don't think it's any more than an homage, but uh, I'm sure the theories are flying already. Oh yeah, they love them. Uh, but Kaido, at this point, does notice that his katana has the presence of Odin within it. And Big Mom even comments that they might have underestimated them. Yeah, but you can see that it did take a lot out of Zoro. Like, yeah. he is out of breath. Now that was certainly, like... A big attack of Zoro's, but even if so, he hasn't done a whole lot in this fight so far. Yeah, he's cut fire twice and then done this, so... Pretty much. So he seems to have some serious stamina issues to be concerned about while wielding Enma. He's got to work on his, I guess, just hockey levels in general. Indeed. But I guess he doesn't have to worry about it anymore, because he also got hit by lightning and is dead. Yeah, he's holding metal <laughs> swords, so not looking good. No. Big Mom's not done, though. She uses the God of Lightning Tengen and zaps uh everybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kid compares her to a natural disaster, and I don't think he's far off. Mm -mm. Kid gets hit. Law gets hit. Even Luffy gets hit. But oh no, he's made of rubber. <laughs> I mean, I'd say that's an oh yay, but... You know. Well, not for Big Mom. No. As shown okay, in the yeah. face in the following panel. That's yeah. the uh-oh face. Please do not hit me, Mr. Luffy. Uh, yeah, because uh, Luffy is hes mad, and he's going to make him pay. That's what Indeed. he does. Uh, but he does get hit by a blast breath, now that he does not have Zoro to protect him from it. But this time he's fine because of his guts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is one of the big things, huh? Indeed. Because what... What is this? What is this? Now, the way I took it, you can see that Luffy like, did get visibly hurt in the Guts panel by the Fire Blast. Mm -hmm. But it just looks like he toughed it out, just powered through it. There is precedence for this, actually, because, well, we know from the reread that we do, 
Like, Luffy has taken fire attacks before, and he's just kind of took them head on and been like, okay, it's going to suck, but I'm still going to come out on the other side. Indeed. Gets hit by cannonballs fairly frequently. Yeah, he's doing just fine. So, it's paying off the great ends here. Indeed. Uh, And then he uses yet another new move, the Gum Gum Kong Gatling. Big ol' monkey punches right in Kaido's smudge fish face. You can, I mean, in the panel itself, you can count at least seven fists. So, again, when this comes to animation, it's going to be quite a closer of an episode, probably. I sure hope so. As long as they don't make it look like uh, the organ gun from the uh, cracker fight, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, that one wasn't great. No literally multiplied his hands didn't like yeah. it very much but they've come a long way since then right yeah i was gonna say the styles kind of changed a bit anyway so i have faith toei don't let me down i mean it's gonna be like what a year <laughs> at minimum till we see this uh something like that they've been i think they now have caught back up to the like one chapter an episode pacing like this episode this manga chapter this week covered the corresponding manga chapter so if they keep going one to one they'll be caught up in 40 episodes ish 42 okay wow kind of just took a shot on that year number but that's closer than expected turns out you were pretty much right mm-hmm. um that ends the chapter uh there's no break next week the next chapter will release officially on february 7th next sunday Something yeah. to get hyped up about once again. Yeah. Do you uh do you expect we'll get more of this fight? Do you think they'll keep doing that, or do you think they'll finally jump back to like what some of the other crew members are doing? My hope is that we cut back to what the other crew members are doing. This kind of seems like a good spot to leave this fight on for the time being, but I've kind of felt that way for all three of the <laughs> Luffy and the Jang versus. Uh, Big Mom and Kaido chapters. So, uh, seems that Oda might just be content to let this fight play out for a little bit. I'm okay with it either way. I think I agree with you, though, that, like, I would like to see some of the other other going-ons, but... I mean, there's no chance that this wraps up before we see all those other fights wrap up. And this is getting to, like, the thick of this fight, it seems. And there's a lot of other stuff to cover. So I feel like you gotta... Start cutting back to those other things pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. Especially since we already know that like those pairings have to be shaken up somehow. Mm-hmm. So there's more going on down there than just the combat. So here's hoping. Yeah. Neato. Manga reread. Here we come. Uh, this week we covered chapters 45 through 56. Uh, ending off around uh, the beginning of the Sanji and Zeph flashback. Take it away. So, uh, when we stopped last time, we were commenting on how there was just like a lot of comedy in, in this chunk, and that continues. Like, there's a panel of the crew holding up their food after Zeph slams Sanji into the table. We've got Usopp and Sanji fighting over special treatment. We've got Luffy slacking more. Like, it is, it is still scattered throughout which is great but i don't think we really need to talk on it all that much the first thing that i thought at least maybe i need a reminder of if we do learn more but 
it seems weird that Krieg even knows about Zeph's book in the first place. Like, I can understand him recognizing Zeph and knowing who he is and what he's capable of, what he did. But knowing that he has a logbook about the Grand Line, that part seems weird to me. It does seem strange that Krieg was like, I know that you have a logbook, or at least wrote one. But my assumption is that it was like common practice for uh, captains to keep a logbook detailing the details of their adventure. Um, so he just, if I were Creed, I would assume that that is true. But you're right. It is strange that he's like, you have one. Yeah, it just, I, I was like, oh, okay, he's on a mission. We're here. I also thought that it was interesting that we find out here that Zeph was, well, we don't find out here about this specifically, but we know from a future uh, revelation that Zeph was not only a pirate, but a New World pirate. Because we find out later that uh, he knows that the first half of the Grand Line is called Paradise by those who have been to the New World. So that seems to imply to me it's not outright said at any point. But Zeph has at least made it past the first half. Yeah, that's pretty impressive considering what we know now. Indeed. Those New World pirates are no slouches. But you lose one leg, <laughs> everything falls apart as far as your pirate career goes. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Peg legs just aren't the same. No, not when your power is based off your ability to kick. Mm -hmm. um, we also touch on here... I thought it was interesting that Luffy was just kind of like on the sidelines of this conflict between the Cooks and Don Creed until Don Creed challenged his dream. Luffy took that personally. <laughs> yeah, this is where we kind of get a good taste of who Luffy is because we've seen him, like we see him respect uh, Zoro and Mihawk's fight right in this chunk of chapters too. So like he, he is all That's about true. the honor within a fight. Going above even that is his personal dream. Nothing is nothing is more important than that. That's for sure. Classic Luffy. And I can't think of very many more examples in the series where like honor means a lot to Luffy. Yes, there's the Katakuri stuff to a certain extent. But that seemed to be more like a character trait of Katakuri than it was of Luffy. But in this instance, at least, he does respect uh, the duel between Zoro and Mihawk. He was being a good boy then. He knows Zoro as well as he needs to for now, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. They haven't been uh, traveling together for very long, but seem to know each other fairly well at this point. Yeah. Also, during these chunk of chapters is where we really sort of see Oda diving into people's backstories. Like, we don't necessarily learn anything more about Zoro, but he does dive back into you know, why he has to be the greatest swordsman, and he suddenly has this upper limit for him to strive to, which is a development. We get, well, Usopp doesn't really change. He's still kind of learning and there to ground us at this point. Yeah, this is his first outing as a straw hat, so he's still kind of getting his footing out in the, the big old world. Right, and we do get a hint that Nami has something deeper going on. So, like... He's, he's starting to throw in these developments pretty early on, which is, is good, and already giving us a taste for the, the Arlong arc, you know? 
Yeah, I suppose this is... I mean, there was some stuff with Buggy and Shanks earlier on. But this is, like, one of the heavier, like, Oda planting future plot threads Mm -hmm. in his arc. Which is going to turn out to be classic Oda (laughs) going forward. Oh, yeah. I also thought it was very interesting that this is, like, what, roughly 50 chapters in at this point. So very early One Piece still. And Oda makes it very clear very early on just how small our main characters are compared to the top tiers of the universe like Mihawk, which is in stark contrast to many Mandra, whose formula is just to keep introducing characters that are more powerful than the last bunch that our main guys beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, these, these walls have been there from the beginning. You're right. Like, Still, Mihawk is known as the most powerful swordsman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just very neat that Oda is doing power tearing in this way. And the characters that were real strong early in the series are indeed still very strong. As opposed to, again, other manga, don't want to call out any by name, where like there's a certain point where the power cliffing starts to occur. I'll say names. It's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> excellent glad we're on the same page about mm-hmm. this yeah it's it's one of the things that does stand out in one piece also there's been an overarching story an overarching goal for the crew in general for a thousand chapters now but also everyone has their own personal objective that they all still need to accomplish mm-hmm mm-hmm I also thought it was interesting that the people, just like the bystanders, like uh, Don Creed's crew and the cooks and all them, they all recognize Zoro once he pulls out his third sword. But not Mihawk at all. None of them except Zeph, which I thought was a fun testament to how divided the Red Line and the Grand Line makes the world. That news primarily occurring on the Grand Line, at least at this time, doesn't make it so much to the outside world. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, these are, frankly, pretty pretty small fry people, you know? And Zeph was... True. I mean, Zeph was a captain of apparently a very capable crew. So he would, he would have to know about people like Mihawk at a certain point. Indeed. I don't think it's strange at all that Zeph knows about right. him. I just think it's interesting that light. Yeah. Mihawk's existence isn't like common knowledge to most people. Well, I'm sure. Now we find out. I was going to say his existence is probably known, but probably not. Like if you knew of some person who is at the top, who is the strongest swordsman, and then you saw someone just roll up on a raft like he did, like they didn't even know that uh, what he had on his back was a weapon at first. So I can understand someone seeing this dude and just being like, okay, that's a pirate, you know? Uh, I suppose so. Plus, like, his wanted poster isn't in circulation anymore, so he probably doesn't, like, make the news very frequently, especially in how Mihawk tends to conduct himself. Good point. We do find out way later in the story that the World Economic Times spreads the news pretty much everywhere but either it's not really everywhere or it could just be that the newspaper 
drastically expanded its operation in between then and now, since it has been a minimum of two years since the most recent big news in the Mondra occurred. Yeah, that's... Or rather, between now and when the most recent news in the Mondra occurred. Right, right. That's an interesting point. I forgot that, yeah, the news would have been going on even now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those news clues seem to deliver uh, pretty much everywhere. Everywhere that matters, right. at least. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere that there's paying customers is probably what it is. <laughs> oh, for sure. Indeed. The only other thing that I had written down is that leading up to his fight with uh, Zoro, Mihawk notes that the East Blue is known to be the weakest of the four seas, even though like super-duper famous people like Roger and Darp and Dragon all know, are known, except for Dragon, I guess, uh, to come from the East Blue. So I assume he means these days <laughs> it's known to be the weakest blue. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't consider that either. Uh, hmm. Now, it's not... Hmm. It's presumably not common knowledge that Dragon is from the East Blue, because like I think there's a bit where Ivankov is like kind of has to weasel out of him that his home is in the east but people know that garp is from the east and they know that garp's name and dragon's name are the same so if you think about it for two seconds you can probably figure it out yeah it could be sort of like in ohio an astronauts thing like ohio has the highest per capita people that are astronauts because they just want to get as far away from Ohio as possible. Oof. So maybe like there are these these two outliers that just were like, okay, if I become strong, well, three outliers. If, yeah, if I if I work hard, I'll I'll get out of this this uh, tiny town and make it to the big leagues. And they just kind of did. And I also don't know if Mihawk is taking Usopp into consideration while making that bold claim. <laughs> He hasn't even met the man. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Calling it now that Zoro's going to be losing the Mihawk once again. Usopp's going to take him by the shoulder, say, Don't worry, Zoro. You do what I can't do, and I'll do what you can't do. And then he one-shots <laughs> Mihawk with a uh, lead star or something to that effect. Which is all the more impressive if you consider that <clears throat> you said... He'll put his hand on his shoulder, so he's got to be right up on Indeed. him. Indeed. So close-range sniping, I would imagine, is uh, Usopp's specialty. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else you had for the Mondra reread for this week? No, that's uh, that's where I left it. We kind of did a few less chapters than usual because we just felt like it. Yeah, it seemed like a reasonable stopping point at the beginning of the, the flashback yeah. but yeah if that's the case uh there's not going to be a manga break next week so we'll be covering manga chapter 1003 and anime episode 961 next week uh they both come out well manga comes out on the seventh anime episode late on the sixth unless you have anything else to add jordan no i think we are good to sign off all right, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. So long.